0: Would please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4. We are looking at verses 17 to 24. We have moved into the transition from our position to our practice, and that's what we're looking at here in this section. If you would please follow in the reading of the Word of God. So, this I say. Every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have learned Him and have been taught in Him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Father, help us. I think about the Apostle Paul's already two prayers in this book and how he prayed that the eyes of our hearts would be open. Father, how he prayed that we'd be strengthened in the inner man, that Christ would be comfortable. So, Father, I'm beseeching your throne on behalf of this congregation. That, Father, we understand who we are in Christ, but, Father, that we also understand that it is through the redeemed life that lost people will see. Father, that the unity of the body of Christ will be done when we take off the old Put on the new. To you, my King, Christ's name, amen. We are looking at this book. It's a really awesome book if you think about it. It's, it's dealing in essence with the body of Christ, what you and I would call the church. But it's also dealing with its uh, supernatural characteristics. And probably the single greatest supernatural characteristic is its unity. Its unity is based on theology. I remember being told early in my ministry that be careful because doctrine divides. And as I have learned is no doctrine unites. The problem is, is that am I or others willing to bow before the scriptures to what it says? Not what I want it to say, not what I think it should say. But what does it say? So when I read through this book, I shared with you when we first started this book, that I was curious to see how this church would respond. Because I know in many cases when you are exposed to this is the holiness and righteousness of God, it can come in conflict. Uh, I was sharing with the Sunday school class this morning that and I thought it was kind of cute that it says the word of God is the anvil upon which the opinions of man is smashed. OK, and you think about the greatest man born of woman. Who was it? And his mindset was, I must decrease. He must Increase. Now, we all say amen and amen until we have to do that. And that's one of the things that I have seen in the body of Christ in my years is that a lot of Christians know what they're supposed to do. All right. But they don't understand their position in Christ. Because once you learn and are foundationally grounded and rooted, as Paul says, then you realize that the practice is easy. It becomes second nature. If you've ever learned to drive a stick shift, if you remember the terrifying moments when you first began, I remember mine, I was driving a Ford Fairlane 390, four-speed, and it wasn't mine, and I praise God. And uh, we had came out of a carryout, and it had a hill like this. And it's a major thoroughfare right here. So I came up to the hill, and I put my foot on the brake to clutch in up into first. And I sat there, and I thought, I'm going to roll backwards through the store and make it a drive-through. But I didn't. I like to burn off the back two tires, but... I came out of there like a hot rod, buddy. <laughs> I did not stall it, but I did make a cloud now since then uh, I've perfected that sort of. Uh, I only burn other people's tires i don't do mine um, but uh you you think about it, and that is our walk, but we have to understand what we have in our possession first. Who are we? When we say we are Christians, do we really understand what that means? Let me review for you quickly, quickly, on these first three chapters. Chapter 1, verse 3 and following. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So when it comes to heavenly blessings, we are missing what? None. Verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. His plan was before the foundation, before he made anything, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. You were holy and blameless before creation in love verse five he predestined us as adoptions as sons through jesus christ to himself according to the kind intentions of his will verse six to the praise and glory of his grace which he freely bestows on us in the beloved Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. You ever thought about that? I taught on this. I think it took me two weeks. The riches of his grace. What are the limits to his riches? That's his grace. Okay, do you understand, Christian, that's you? It's not, well, that's the elders. Well, that's the deacons. If you're teaching a Sunday school class, perhaps you've got that. No. If you're a child of God, that's your possession. That is the place you are in the heavenlies. Fascinating. Verse 11. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Works all things, His purpose. Who works all things, after the counsel of His will. We have an inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, which is according to His will. Okay, can anybody give me what stops Christ's will? Hmm. Verse fourteen. Have been given a pledge of our inheritance. With the view of the redemption of God's own possessions to the praise of his glory. Paul lays that out. And then in verse 17 and 18, he says, you know what? I better pray for the readers of this because this and here is a little bit on the heady side. He said, I pray that the Lord God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. chapter 2 verse 1 and you were dead in your trespasses and sin I like that you know what that means past tense in which you formerly walked formerly walked that's that old verse 6 that's that new he raised us up with him and seated us with him Heavenly places. Did you note that? Past tense. He is not raising us up. He did not make us savable. He saved us. You are as saved now as you will ever be. You are as holy now as you will ever be. You are as righteous now as you will ever be. But. We've been looking at it. We have to take off the old and walk in the new. But see, the walking in the new, <laughs> it's like we know what we're supposed to. I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. My wife is to submit herself to me as unto the Lord. We know all that stuff. But when you start understanding you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, when you understand that you have been forgiven, you are blameless and righteous and holy before God. When you understand that you are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> parents, your children are to honor you. How's that working? He just smiled at me. You honor me. Right. Okay, that's because the child did not know their position in Christ. Okay, see this, see what I'm trying to get at? It's easy to sit around, I'm supposed to do this and not to do this, I'm not supposed to do this, but no, 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 no. Walk as Christ in the power that he affords every believer. That's why I am an adamant fan of theology. You need to know the God you serve. And I heard somebody, I can't remember who it said, you will live your life according to the size of your God. My God, the water fits in the hollow of his hand and the span of his hand is creation. My God. Okay. My God knows when the sparrow falls. My God knows the hairs on our head. Both of them. See, when you start living in light of that, everything changes. I mean, I was teaching in Sunday school this morning. We are to love as Christ love. Go do that now. I'll call it good. And you guys can just walk out there and love as Jesus. Okay, just understand, once you start doing it in your own energy, he's going to put some of the most unlovable things in your life. But if I do it in his energy, I am more than a conqueror. I will do exceedingly abundantly beyond whatever I could think or imagine. But I have to have my theology intact and it isn't a ma- listen, your theology cannot compare to Satan's. Satan knows more truth than you'll ever grasp in this temporal life, but he has no faith in it. You have to live by your theology. Do you put your faith in it? Not what the, well, the preacher said, no, I don't it doesn't matter what I said. What does this book say, and what do you believe? That's when you have your position. Verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. We are His workmanship. Okay? That's just a glimpse of who a Christian is. Now, I shared with you this last week. If you go through this thing and you see it is the renewing of your mind. Okay, remember what Paul said in Romans twelve two: renew your mind daily. Why? You've got to change your thinking. Okay, and it's one of the things, you look at it and you say, well, some of this just doesn't seem logical. Well, in the beginning was the logos, it's the word we get logic from, and the logic was with God, and the logic was God. So you think you're logical, but God is true logic. Okay, but what you'll find is, We need to delete a lot of information. All right? We need to get rid of some of this stuff. It's of no value. That's what I'm going to look at here in a minute. We renew our mind. Remember I went through it? It says, there's futility of mind. They lack understanding. They are ignorant. But you did not learn Christ this way. You have been taught in truth. Renew the spirit of your mind. Take in the information daily from the word of God. Know who he is. Know what it says. And so what we looked at here, Paul said in verse 17, chapter four, I say, and affirm together with the Lord. Okay, so if you don't like this information, take it up with the author. Right, that you don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Now I shared with you what that word meant. It, in its true essence, it is a non-Jew. Okay, but I also showed you in Thessalonians that that non-Jew you can have it as a as an ethnic picture, but you also realize that they know not God. Then I can dig around and show you. They don't don't understand. We looked at it in chapter 2 of this letter. They don't know the covenants. Okay? That's the Gentiles. They don't know this stuff. So when you see Gentile used in the New Testament, it is either speaking of a religious system and or, usually both, a non-Jew. Okay? But what you learn about the Gentiles are... That's the the terminology and the mindset that we get heathen from or pagans from. Because, see, they'll create their own religion that Satan will gladly introduce them to. Because they know not God. Okay? But then he says this. Don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Remember, that's their everyday characteristic, their nature. This is how they conduct themselves. Okay, how do they walk? The next phrase, and the futility of their mind. Futility of their mind. Okay, brothers and sisters, this is alive and well around us. <laughs> If you look at lost Gentiles right now, they all have something very much in common, okay? Every one of them, and it is their thinking, their mind is the big deal, okay? That's where they draw their their comfort from, that's where they draw all their rationale from, that's where they draw their confidence from. It all comes from their mind. Their thinking is their desires. It would be their whims. Right? But he says here, in the futility of their minds. I look at this, and and I've told you guys this before. Pride drives me nuts. Okay? I mean, that's, that's like uh, fingernails on a chalkboard to me. Because when I hear it, or when I see it, all I know is being exposed to me is self-centeredness. It's about me. Now think about this for a second. I said in the futility of their mind, that is their self-centeredness because my mind is great. I'm educated. Okay? I went to the school of hard knocks. I went to college. I went, fill in the blank. And that is how Gentiles walk in their own mind. I wish I could remember who told me this, but it is so funny. Okay, I I can't hear. I'd give anything if I remember where I heard it. But it's a quote, and it says, "They chase the bubbles that they have blown." Why? It's futile. It's futile. I look at it; they run the circles that they made. And that's that self-centeredness. That's that pride. Look at me. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have done. Look how I am. Look what... No. No. It's a bubble. See, I look at Gentiles, lost people. And to them, their mind is everything. Everything. And I I see it, listen, the pulpit's not immune to this. All right? Because I deal with pastors weekly. And if you want to hear me get quiet, start boasting. Because if you start boasting, I know I have nothing to say. Because you can't see it. It would be, from my perspective, futile. This is a massive umbrella of uh, human opinion. You don't ever hear that any during the day, do you? You know, it's amazing how quick someone will give you their opinion and you don't even have to ask them. I don't believe I've ever asked anybody for their opinion. But boy, I've gotten it. Why? Because I want you to know. Human opinion. How many times have you heard, I think. Okay. Listen, whatever you think, whatever you want, That's what will govern your behavior. Did you know that? We've looked at this. Chapter 2, verse 3 of this letter. What does it say? Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the what? Mind. Mind. Flesh and mind. Mind. That's how it functions. The flesh tells you you're smart. Your smart says, I'm smart. Why? Because my flesh said so. Therefore, I will indulge it and I will show you how smart and fleshly I am. And I do not even have to try hard to do it, I can do it very easily. I'm quite competent. See, that's self centeredness, it is vanity. You know what the word vanity means? Futile. Futile. Listen, I always thought vanity meant fixing your hair. You know, we have vanity mirrors. You know what that means? It's futile. (laughs) I look into the vanity mirror and it is futile. I mean, it's the cosmos is the word that we have disorder out of. You know what word, English word we get out of it? Cosmetic. Cosmetic is to fix the disorder. The word here is my tios, my tios. It literally means empty it's empty okay it's futile it's useless it's vain it's empty there's nothing there useless useless is probably the best understanding of it the gentile pagans who do not know God their thinking is useless absolutely useless it is empty why I guess the simplicity of it is, for me, I'm a simple man, is it goes nowhere. What does it do? If you go out and cut the grass, what are you going to do in a week? Go out and cut it again. You know what they call that? Useless. It accomplishes nothing. It performs and gains nothing. That's their minds. Somebody said once, Life must go on. And I just forget why. Isn't it true? I mean, you go, and there comes Monday, and next thing you know, it's Saturday. Think about what you did, and all of a sudden, Monday's back. Listen, the whole of the lost life is focused, is wound up. And and I hate to say it this way, but I don't have a better way. The whole of the lost existence is trivial. Think about it. What does it accomplish? Well, we put a man on the moon. Why? What did you accomplish? Well, we brought back some rocks. Brilliant. We spent how many billions of dollars to go get a bucket of rocks? Well, we can see things. I used to do that at a gravel pit. See what I'm trying to get? I mean, listen, you think I'm kidding? We're in a computer age. Look how simple life is with computers. Really? What computer do you have that makes it simple? Because I don't own that one. See what I mean? We are so brilliant at what? It's trivial. It's trivial. We are consumed. I was listening to all of. <laughs> we got Black Friday we got Small Business Saturday. we got Online Monday. That's what we're consumed by. Let me ask you something. Isn't that all trivial? We are consumed with consuming so we can buy stuff that we can what? Throw away. You finally get a really good pair of shoes. They fit awesome. And the next thing you know what? They're worn out. And now you have to go try to find another pair of shoes. It's trivial. So much in our existence is futile. It's empty. It is useless. I see humanity, and you guys know I love history, and the history of humanity is chasing shadows and never coming to the reality. And it's amazing to me. I mean, we work, we work, we work, we work, we work, we work, we work so we can retire and die. Well, that was brilliant planning. It's, I, remember, I come from Union country back in Ohio. And, and I remember everybody retired had a heart attack within six months. I kept thinking, how is that possible? You work all them years, you got this great big massive pension thing, you're going to buy a yacht and a motorcycle and this and that and the other, and then you have a heart attack. And you're sitting there going, why didn't you have the heart attack when you were 20? Save up this money and then you'd be in good shape. Don't panic. Romans chapter 8 verse 20. For the creation was subjected to futility. It isn't that man man just has practiced that being futile. No, creation is futile. Man just happens to be along for the ride. Creation is subject to uselessness. Wow. Think I'm kidding? Go out and build the best house, the most perfect house that you could ever dream of. Build it. But you know that if you hang out in it, you'll wear out the carpets, you'll scuff the paint, you'll do all this stuff. So what you do is you build the house, and then you off limits. Nobody can get in there. That's the perfect house, and don't touch it. What happens to that house? It falls down. Why? It's been subject... Futility. You know, the thing is, when I think about this, I think about the wisest man that ever lived. When he was becoming getting getting ready to become king, God says, "What would I give you?" And he said one thing. What was it? Wisdom. So he gets to write some amazing stuff. He writes Song of Solomon. I think he wrote that early. Okay. He wrote the book of Proverbs. I mean, that guy's... He got it together. But he also wrote another book. I think it came after the Song of Solomon. The book of Ecclesiastes. The wisest man on the planet do you understand this man do you understand he had more money than anybody any any individual ever do you know that he had way more wisdom than anybody else he had all the women you could ever think of women were throwing themselves at him he was the richest he was the wisest okay okay Starts off the book of Ecclesiastic. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. The wisest, richest man ever says what? Uselessness. Okay. So, you guys can sit up here, you can look there and say, Boy, he's got an attitude toward people, doesn't he? No, man, I'm just telling you what the book says. If you look at the end of chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, verse 22, what I just illustrated to you, okay? For what does a man get in all of his labor, in his striving? With which he labors under the sun. Because all of his days. His task is painful. And grievous. Even at night his mind does not rest. This too. Is vanity. There is nothing better for a man. Than to eat. And drink. And tell himself. That his labor is good. This also. I have seen. That it is from the hand of God. For who can eat. And who can have enjoyment without him for to a person who is good in his sight? He has given wisdom and knowledge and joy while to the sinner, He has given the task of gathering collecting so that he may give to one who is good in God's sight. This, too, is vanity and striving after the wind. He you encouraged yet? See why I say he did Song of Solomon first? He looks at the beauty of the women, and this is a good, 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 good. And then after a few years, is vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Shakespeare said it this way. Life is full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. The best a man can do is entertain himself with his toys. Have you seen that? He who has the most toys wins. And if you think about it, how long does your toy last? Well, I got a new toy, a bigger toy, a smaller toy, a taller toy. look around at lost people and many Christians and all you see is busyness and what does it mean it's busyness think how we spend you know most people think how you spend your money think about it think how you spend your money And we we can all sit there and go like this. It's pretty useless, isn't it? Pretty much. Hold your head down. But I'll ask you this. How do you spend your mind? How do you spend your body? You know, I've been in this area since the late 70s. And did you know that Douglas County has the highest suicide rate in the state. Do you know that? But we have the highest per capita income in the state. So we have everything the world offers, and our conclusion is what? Take my life. Think about the suicide rate in Colorado. Colorado is one of the highest suicide states in the in the nation. And I look around and think, how is that possible? The United States has a lot of suicide. You know what's amazing? I've been to some very poor countries. And there's no such thing as suicide. How is that possible? I remember going in... In Russia, if you get outside of Saint Petersburg and outside of Moscow, there's no suicide. And yet, I watch them go out. You know, you'll have the shrubs in the county and the city square, town square. They'll go out there and cut the limbs off of it to get kindling, so they can start a fire in their house at night. But nobody's killing themselves. Now, if you go into the city, yeah. How is that possible? I remember asking Pastor Philip in Punjab, Do you have suicide? No, I don't have suicide. People don't want to kill themselves. Why? And you keep thinking, What do they have to live for? You know, I think about the people in his his ministry that are working at the, the brick kilns. That's slavery. They give you food to eat. They give you a place to stay in out of the monsoon. And you work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. And they sustain you. Now to me, why would I want to keep doing that? And yet I can come here and think about the money and I look around and I think, wow. Wow. Read an email from a guy who found this lady's wanting to spend sixty-five thousand dollars in uh modifications so she'll look like Melania. And you're like, What? <laughs> Is what are you gonna try to trick Donald? What are we doing here? You see what I mean? Sixty-five thousand dollars? If I was her, I'd go out and buy $65,000 worth of lotto tickets. You might get lucky. See what I mean? One of the things that I've seen and I know and I witness and the Bible teaches me and I bear witness to. Is that man's thinking is never Fulfilled. His thinking is empty. Paul tells me it is useless. And yet the Bible says, and I just read it to you out of Ecclesiastic, without me you can do nothing. Nothing. You've heard the joke, there are no U-Hauls behind a hearse. I don't care. I remember reading an article in Life Magazine about John D. Rockefeller at the time. He was the richest man on the planet. And they said, well, how much is enough? And he says, I don't know. I haven't gotten there. Okay? That's the emptiness of our thinking. That is what natural man does. You know, I listen to everybody. You've heard the statement, but I bought me a new car and it's got that new car smell. I need to figure out how to make that and just spray cars. You get an old beat-up gremlin and just spray it. Look, new car. But the fender's rusting off of it. Sit inside. See what I'm trying to get at? I mean, you can sit and say, well, Terry, you've got a very bitter... No! I have a biblical view of the futility of the lost. We've got four things here that we've been dealing with. And if you look at these in chapter 4, you understand that it covers humanity. There's not a segment of humanity that does not fit in this. It's amazing to me. The wholeness of humanity is covered in verses 17 to 19. That is the wisdom of God versus the futility of man. Their minds are futile. Their minds are useless. They are empty. Now then, we are supposed to evangelize these people. Think about that. Remember when the Apostle Paul said this? Who is adequate for such a task? Now you can be like me, Mr., uh, to the point how in the world am I going to evangelize a bunch of empty headed people that's why we do it in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ that's why we have the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians to see who we are in Christ because I can look at him and there's a pity I don't care how educated you are I remember a somebody that is in my life and a very, very successful business person very, 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 very well, it's kind of weird because he uh, won a prize for his corporation they give him a vacation all expense paid travel and everything everything when they get there is, is expense paid vacation he says, awesome I said, where are you going? he says, Vietnam Wow, and we did that in the 60s and 70s. And they'd pay you to be there. I see what I mean? You're like, wow. And he said, well, I'm, I'm going to get a Tesla. I said, you know it runs on a battery, right? Oh, yeah, but you look at all the gas I'm going to save. I'm going to help the environment. What do you do with that battery when it has to be replaced? What do you mean it has to be replaced? It has to be replaced. I had a degree in electronic edu- uh, design. You hate batteries. Because they always need replaced when you least want to. But yet, we're wise. If you don't believe me, ask them. Listen, I've, my wife have heard this statement. They are listening to their own wisdom. They they function in their own head. Okay? Have you ever seen unintended consequences? How many times did you plan for them? Okay? But you know what? They always linger out there. And I know that we've all had our fingers pinched by them. I didn't think about that. Okay? I mean, I, I remember a master electrician I was working with, we were running these circuits, high-voltage circuits. We were running 480s, checking them. <laughs> and you got a meter here, and he's got it on power, and he's going here, here. Okay, is this circuit working? He went and scratched his ear. And he just sat there and go, Oh! Oh. And he just looked at me and said, well, that wasn't very smart, was it? And I was like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> one of them elect- electro-transition things. I don't know. But I also watched him take one of them big screwdrivers about that long and turn it into an awl instantaneously, speed of speed of light. I was working on a three phase transformer, and we didn't realize the middle transformer was shorted. So we pulled a meter base off. You got three wires when you're working on three phase, and the middle wire was burnt. Okay. Should have thought of that, huh? If that wire's burnt, there's a reason that's burnt. You know what he did? He took a screwdriver in there and poked it and see what it did. It went bang and melted that screwdriver. He said, Wow. And I was like, That's why I got your screwdriver. But yet, this was a very educated man. I mean, he's a master electrician, had years and years. He was, it was weird. He was teaching me, and I told him one time, what not to do. Okay? But see, we I want you to think about it, because you, you know what? Every one of us in this room is guilty of that at some point in time. What was I thinking? You weren't. You weren't. I remember as a kid, we were going around. We had M80s. Everybody know what an M80 is? Anyway, it's a big, like a big fire car. I lit that thing. We was in a car driving around. It's was just going to be great. And I go lit, lit, lit. Boom. And the window was up. I never got in the back seat so quick in my life. Now, I share that because I know all of you have done just as Dumb. Okay? And that is the emptiness of our, the futility of what we do. Paul says, Christian, Christian, don't walk as the Gentiles walk. Those who do not know God and they walk in the uselessness of their mind walk in the power of the spirit believers respond to God's thinking believers respond to God's will believers respond to God's purpose and you know what's really awesome about it we gain eternal meaning I don't look it's trivial I don't look at the temporal. I want to see the eternal. I was sharing with you this morning, we are to bear much fruit. Why? So God is glorified. Well, what's fruit? Whatever brings God glory. It can be anything. It can be shoveling a driveway. It can be buying somebody lunch. It it can be anything that is eternal in its ramifications that God has glorified that's what it is and yet the lost people verse 18 says in the darkness of their understanding and I'll look at that next week because that's just basically ignorance now don't run around and tell all the lost people you know you're just ignorant because that doesn't evangelize them either okay you're useless in your mind and you're ignorant other than that You understand the futility of creation. Okay? But see, he's saying, don't do this. Okay? Your mind is not useless anymore because you've learned, you've been taught. So walk like it. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Lord, I know some of this sounds kind of harsh, but when I look at your word... I thought I softened it up. But Father, uh, we are in a strange time in the church here in the United States. And I think the world has taken uh, a larger hold on us than what we would really like to admit to. So Father, I'm asking, could you tell us here in this text, we've been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So, Father, put in your people a hunger, a thirst for your truth that we may start understanding your righteousness, your holiness, your standard. And we are in the likeness of God. Father, renew the spirit of our minds daily. Help us, Father. In all humility, walk in gentleness to your glory.